Welcome to the Cyber 24 Podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping business and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. I'm Marty Carpenter of 24-9, and I work in strategic communication, public affairs, and government relations. And in today's episode, we sit down with Mike Hussey from the Utah Division of Technology Services to review some of the steps to take following a ransom attack that may be easy to overlook. Mike Hussey from the Utah Division of Technology Services is with us again this week. Mike, thanks for taking some time to be on the pod. Hey, thanks for having me again, Marty. I always love it. Now, Mike, you will remember this commercial. I think you pointed out it was a Super Bowl commercial uh, from several years back. But uh, the setup is essentially uh, somebody sends a funny email, but his friend points out, oh, that was funny. Did you mean to send it reply all? He clearly did not, and then he ran around for the rest of the commercial, ripping cables out of computers, destroying phones, throwing computers down, breaking laptops, the whole thing, um, it, because this was sort of the best way he could think of in that moment to stop his email from going as if that would be effective. But I think there are some people, uh, you know, even possibly some people who uh, you would think are somewhat tech savvy or are just fairly sophisticated and can find themselves suddenly being hit by ransomware or some, something's gone wrong on the computer and they uh, think that that might be the best course of action. Uh, clearly it is not. Do you, do you remember the commercial? I guess we'll start there. I, I do remember that commercial. I, I think it was a Super Bowl commercial. And I, I, I thought for a minute, I think I may have hit reply all a couple of times <laughs> accidentally on, on, you know, like the, Hey, what to bring to the potluck or whatever. And it was just, you know, it always, it, it creates a, just mass hysteria. Sometimes everybody starts replying to all and, and just builds this uh, email storm. And so uh, I, that's why I think that commercial stood out for me. And we, we have seen this with elected officials before it's the Baltimore hack at one point, right? Didn't the mayor essentially tell people to do something similar? Yeah, so uh, when Baltimore experienced a ransomware attack, you're, you're spot on. Uh, the mayor of that city said, hey, uh, you know, we, we can't respond to this right now. We're still trying to understand what kind of what's happening here. They, they just didn't understand. So she came out over the air on TV and t instructed everyone to unplug the Ethernet, all city officials, all city employees to unplug their network cables from their computer so that they can get their arms around this and respond to the ransomware incident that they that they were dealing with. And uh, that was really the kind of the, the the feeling of how to respond at that time for that city. But um, yeah, I, I think it was very unfortunate, but that, that was the messaging that was going out. <laughs> yeah. Probably a less effective way of, of approaching the, uh, <laughs> the entire situation. So and, and to, to this point though, you know, I, I think it, it, it's obviously not a very effective way to go, right? Obviously that won't work, but people can get a little freaked out when suddenly they're hit with a cybersecurity incident. And, you know, the, I read an article recently that pointed out five things that you should do that might be easy to overlook in some cases when you have a cybersecurity incident. And I just wanted to walk through their five tips and get your insight on each one. And, you know, you tell me if it's something that is easy to overlook, uh, something that should be really important, something that's a must do and, and why. So we'll put your uh, knowledge to the test a little bit here. But the number uh -oh, one thing on okay. the list that they had was isolate affected systems. And I'm wondering if you can give us kind of a uh, 101 on what that means and why that's important. Yeah, kind of like when we were talking about the city of Baltimore and kind of how they responded to it, 
they were trying to, in effect, uh, isolating affected systems. And so they were running around trying to unplug Ethernet cables, that kind of thing, get it off the network. But they didn't know which systems were affected. And so they were just doing a shotgun approach to just everything. I, I hope we have technologies today. Uh, I know here at the state we have things like that that would allow us to isolate those systems, um, even isolate the software on the system. And that's even one step better is to say, hey, we're going to, if, if there's some uh, software that's not behaving properly, let's isolate that and have it run in a sandbox before we can learn a little bit more about it, what it's trying to do, who it's communicating with, what behaviors it's, it's exhibiting, and then isolate that even on the computer itself. But short of that, hey, yeah, isolate it. I, I, I sometimes thought as state CIO, would I ever install a, a nuclear red button that if the data was running out the front door, if we would hit that and, and isolate ourselves from the rest of the world to, to stop that. Now, we have some great uh, strategies that are uh, all written up, but I, I, I sometimes thought about that. Should, should we have that? Um, but that's certainly key. I, if you don't stop it, it we're kind of in a pandemic. It, it's very similar to that. If if you don't isolate that virus, it just will go to the next level, the next level, the next level. And yet, if you can isolate it and trap it, boy, it stops that that uh, repeated infection going throughout all of your systems. And uh, I think it's really a, a great approach. Yes, I subscribe to that wholeheartedly. Another thing they say on the list is to turn off infected devices. So this isn't a matter of you know unplugging cables before something wrong can be spread to other devices. This is turning off devices. But I wonder, Mike, um, if that's wise in all situations or just some situations, and can that mess with sort of the digital forensics that you might need to keep in mind as you are you know, going through a cybersecurity incident and, and thinking through what are the next 20 steps we're going to do as we get life back to normal? Oftentimes, those upstream from you will know that your system is infected. And sometimes it's just a matter of getting around to that machine to, to remediate the issue. And so uh, turning it off probably isn't that, uh, isn't a problem for the forensic data that, that you might want, but it would stop it. It kind of that same, same issue of, of containing the, the issue and, and not having it spread. If you turned off the infected machine, uh, yeah, you can, you can respond to that, uh, when you have time. And the, all of that forensic data is probably still there. But it's not now communicating to all those machines. Somebody's not logged into it. They're not, the, the infected machine is not touching systems. It's not trying to exfiltrate data that that user may have access to uh, based on that user credentials. So I, I also think that's a great idea to turn off the infected machine as soon as you can identify it. And then as you make your way around, um, this is probably a larger issue that you're dealing with. Make your way around. You at least here at the state, we would, we have systems that would let us know where that fingerprint is across all of our machines. And then we can get around and fixing that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things they add to the list is triage, which I just take as, Hey, let's figure out what's the most important thing to do first and do that first. But uh, I mean, triage is just sort of a natural part of this process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully, uh, businesses out there are, are prioritizing that list long before the issue ever occurs. You'll have a, 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 a plan that says we need to bring this system online, this system online, you know, public safety, uh, 
employees payroll. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> State employees payroll can probably be somewhere in, down on the list. But in any case, uh, there are systems that need to come up uh, for the safety of uh, in the state. There's a lot of things, and and hopefully you've prioritized those beforehand. Um, so that you're not trying to figure that out on the fly when you're in the middle of, with your hair on fire. So uh, triaging your systems is certainly a good thing to do and even a great thing to do long before you're in the incident. Yeah. Uh, number four, uh, document what happened. And I, I yeah. think this is important, Mike, not just in the way that, uh, you know, sort of, hey, let's figure out what the problem was. One of the things I would say is not just document what happened, but document what's happening. And part of that is just for your communication to be able to say, here's what we knew when and here's how we made this decision. The quicker you can get someone to say, all right. At X time, this happened, and this, and now I'm going to just track. When did so and so come in the room? When did we call that person? When did we call this company? Uh, what what you would call, you know, in, in general crisis management, a TikTok, right? Which you can't use as much anymore because now there's a f- popular app called that, and people will get confused. <laughs> but essentially, like, I want to know the timeline of when everything happened. When did we find it out? When did we know it? And and who knew it? Um, but that that's from the communication perspective. So from the the more of the digital side when they say document what happened, is that just to help on the forensics or is that uh, something different? No. And, and yes, I mean, yes, it will help you with your communi- your future communications. I mean, that's a, a great thing to do is to, to go back through and reconstruct the timeline so that you can piece together, Hey, did we overlook something? And do we need to, do we need to fix a, a process or even a, a policy that we might have uh, in, within our organization. But as you document what happened in that timeline and all of those things that, that have caused you the grief, uh, you, it allows you to circle back and say, Hey, look, yeah, we're going to now make an investment here so we can head that off and we'll make another investment there. We'll bring in some outside communications to help us with the, the response on this. We'll bring in, uh, the right teams that, you know, maybe we have cyber insurance and, and when to notify them, uh, you know, all of those things will help you just in case, um, heaven forbid, if it ever happens again. And so that you've really, you understand what needs to occur when and how to respond and even how to plug the holes that you may have overlooked because, you know, having that documented and having that crisis uh, completely soup to nuts. And actually that's what we did. We brought in an outside entity to come through and say, Hey, we're going to document everything we knew when and how we understood it. And then it also helps for your response when, when you're trying to delete logs to free up disk space or something like that and think, wait, that was forensic data. Then all of a sudden you can have a policy or process about how to respond accordingly rather than destroying evidence you might need later you know, you know that there's a different approach you might take down the road. Yeah. That leads us into the fifth point, which I think we've kind of touched on, which is get help. And they, you know, the the list mentioned inform external and external, internal and external teams and stakeholders so that you enlist help in how you're going to go about this. Yeah, absolutely. Don't try and do it on your own. Uh, there, there's so many experts out there. And, you know, when we've talked on the, on the pod before about our cyber center and bringing in all of the partners that we do, that, that's why you have that help there because they have an area of expertise that you may not have any information about and they can leverage their resources. And it, it really does say, you know, I, I hate to use this, but it takes a village sometimes when you're trying to respond to these things because there is, there's a lot of great help out there 
There's a lot of great uh, forensic folks out there. There's a lot of great, even in the with the FBI and and others that will, can get you uh, the help that they're allowed to broker, uh, bringing that to you. And so definitely get help. Don't don't go at it alone. I think sometimes you you try and circle the wagons a little too much and say, hey, we got to protect this integrity of this incident. But there's a lot of great resources out there, and and uh, and go ahead and please get the help that you, that's out there. Time to take a quick break, but a reminder that Cyber24 is presented each week by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35-plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. Check them out at vlcm.com. Back with more on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom right after this. You've all seen the headlines. Every 39 seconds, there's a new attempted cyber attack in the U.S. As the threat landscape becomes more complex, the need for security operations is greater than ever before. It's time to put experts in your corner. For something as important as your organization's security, having a named engineer and analyst paired with you is critical. Arctic Wolf is a leader in security operations, utilizing a cloud-native security analytics platform to deliver security operations as a concierge service. Arctic Wolf's Security Operations Center as a service is always on guard with security experts monitoring your environment 24-7. Don't become the next headline. Learn more about Arctic Wolf's redefined cybersecurity approach at vlcmtech.com slash arctic-wolf. That's vlcmtech.com slash A-R-C-T-I-C dash W-O-L-F. With the increasing number of employees working remotely everywhere around the world, businesses are now looking at supporting a mostly, if not fully, remote workforce. But just because security at the office is no longer a high priority, that doesn't mean that remote security should be overlooked or be difficult to manage. To enable remote work security at your business, Valcom recommends WatchGuard Automation Core. WatchGuard's automation security platform speeds up processes, kills threats, and empowers IT teams to do more with less. With WatchGuard, you can apply zero trust principles across networks and applications and help remote employees enable secure Wi-Fi networks. To learn more about remote work security, visit vlcmtech.com slash watchguard. That's vlcmtech.com slash watchguard. Welcome back to the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. We continue our discussion now with Mike Hussey from the Utah Division of Technology Services. All right, welcome back. More of our discussion with Mike Hussey from the Utah Division of Technology Services. Uh, Mike, we talk a lot about uh, businesses that get hacked on this show, uh, but I don't recall that we've ever looked at it from uh, this angle, which is that uh, which industries are targeted most frequently, right? Are you a bigger target if you're in financial services or if you're in healthcare or whatever? We just sort of take them as they come. And I thought this was interesting uh, as a group called NetScout tried to uh, break down the most targeted industries. They did it specific to distributed denial of service or DDoS attacks. So I don't know that it gives us the full picture, but I still thought that it was interesting. Uh, in particular, how has this list maybe changed or what trends have we seen different in uh, you know the last 18 months as compared to 
before that time. Uh, you want to take a guess? Like, what what do you think would be what what areas do you think are most targeted by hackers? Is there a certain industry that would come to mind? Maybe you'd say government because that's the one you see a lot. But any, <laughs> any taking government out of the mix, anybody else that you would say? I'll bet they're on the list. Uh, financial institutions, maybe something like that. I, yeah, you would, I would think, think banking and so I, on. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. L- let me just put out the the top five uh, so that we can look at them, and then let's just get your thoughts on it. Uh, number one was wired communication. Um, number two is data processing and hosting. Number three was wireless communication services, uh, which you know makes you think T-Mobile. Maybe maybe they went from number three to number two on the list, or number one after yeah. uh, recent uh, troubles. Uh, number four was internet publishing and broadcasting, which, as they broke it down in this survey uh, or this this study, uh, that included Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, streaming services, uh, and then number five was electronic shopping. So uh, I guess that it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, that shopping and internet publishing broadcasting are on there, uh, or right. that even wireless communication services, it might surprise me that those are numbers three, four, and five and not numbers one and two. But what's your reaction, Mike? What do you make of that list? You know, it's, it's interesting. Let me quickly, as, as we're moving into this pandemic and, and we were sending many of the state employees home, uh, one of the things we did very quickly is trying to uh, improve our teleworking scenario. And so all of a sudden we're, we're changing our VPN solution. We're, we're doing a lot of what I would say fall, fell into the wired communication space. And we were doing a, a lot of work there. And we could actually see the bad actors shift towards um, vulnerabilities that might exist in that that communication front, and so maybe you know over the last eighteen months, uh, everybody's now teleworking. There's a lot of a lot of uh, change in work habits and VPNing, and so if they can compromise these systems. Maybe that gives them a better foothold um, across all these systems. Uh, there was a, a very prominent uh, software company that that had some uh, appliances that would help you understand your network before uh, they had a breach. And uh, boy, the, and it was used by by many out there. Even the Department of Defense they they shut down CypherNet um, or CipperNet for a little while. And I, I actually I think may, we maybe talked about it on your on your podcast when that first happened. But um, but. Yeah, that is an interesting thing because if you can compromise that wired network for whatever reason, and uh, and if you can mirror traffic uh, across uh, a port that you have compromised, or if you, there's a way that you can gather that traffic or or get a foothold, boy, that that's a really uh, challenging place to put a, a business in because that that's uh, that's the core of it all. So it it makes sense that that might be why there's something why something they're going after, you know. And I do remember. Um, Netflix, and I don't remember, they had an outage a couple of years ago, and that was a DDoS attack on DNS servers that hosted a lot of the Netflix and a lot of the, the streaming services. So they were down for a little while, but in reality, it was just you couldn't resolve uh, the address. And so it was it was interesting that, that that's on the list too. But And, and two, uh, you know, I think sometimes... I don't know, maybe it's a recruiting effort because if there's notoriety from these uh, hacking guilds or clans, 
to say, hey, look what we did. We did this DDoS attack on this on Netflix. Boy, they they would be at, at the top of the list, and then they're going to draw in the best hackers to help that guild or that that clan go after something else. And uh, boy, it, it, it give them a little notoriety. It, it used to be that's all they would do is just uh, you know an opportunity to pound their chest a little bit. But now it's maybe a recruiting tool. I don't know. <laughs> this might be an interesting approach on how they do it. Yeah, really interesting to see, uh, you know, what changes were in this list. And I think it would be interesting to look at this two years, five years, ten years down the road and see how it changes. Um, but certainly yeah. if you're in any of those any of those particular industries, you're, you're very likely to say, boy, I doubt it's a surprise that people are coming after them. But it might give you a little validation to say, we felt like a target. Now we know we were a target. <laughs> yes, it's it's not a good place to be, and that, and actually that's that's one of the concerns that you always try and worry about is putting yourself out there too much, saying, "Hey, look, we're we're impervious to any breaches," or you know, we've got this, you know, the, you know, good luck, bad guys, and all of a sudden, yeah, that would put a big bullseye on you. And so, if, if there's some in these industries that have said that, maybe that would just be that drawing card to say, "Hey, look." You can't break in here, and that's just that just is a challenge for those guys to figure out a way to get in. As we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank Mike Hussey for being so generous with his time and his expertise, and I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. You can check them out at vlcm.com. That's vlcm.com. I also want to pass along special thanks to our supporting partners, the Utah Division of Technology Services, the Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute at the University of Utah, our friends at Secuvant, as well as our friends in the Utah Attorney General's Office and the Utah Department of Public Safety. Hey, as a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook. Hit us up in either place. Let us know what you think, or if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode. And by the way, you can also rate and review the podcast version of this on Apple Podcasts if you're listening with the podcast as opposed to watching on YouTube. You can do either one. But if you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star rating and leave us a nice review. We really appreciate that. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week and stay safe online.